I'm going to just uh, explain. Not going to apologise. I think uh, I'm quite overwhelmed with all sorts of emotions at the moment. Um, and uh, I think you'll probably understand that as I as I talk some more. Um, and uh, this is an emotional moment as well, actually. Just you know, now this isn't the end. I know because actually Dennis is staying on as a trustee, part of Eastgate, and he's still going to be helping us build this thing. But I, I just you know. I'll say my thanks to Dennis, but number one, I just want to say thanks for just being able to stand alongside you, and uh, it's a great privilege. And uh, the Bible's got, there's a verse I'd love to share with you, 3 John verse 4, it says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I, I apply that a bit more broadly than that. It's, I find the greatest joy I have in life is, is walking along side people in the truth, not just my children, but this family, this thing called, we call Eastgate, which is an extraordinary thing. It's a work of God, and uh, I find it, you know, I just look out uh, day in, day out, and just find it unbelievable privilege to walk alongside such amazing people, and Dennis, you're one of those people, and there are not many unsung heroes in this place, and there are too many for me to mention right now, but um, I know many of the backstories of, of life. You know, and the ups and downs and the bits and pieces we've been through. And, and if you're relatively new, new to the church, I want to include you. Thank you for walking alongside us. It's not just, you haven't got to be here 30 years to count, but uh, um, some of us have got a long history that goes back a long, a long way. And obviously, you can't reproduce that instantly. Um, but if you're relatively new, you, you're part of something that, that God is doing that's, that is amazing. Um, and I want to try and help you understand that over the next. Uh, I've got three Sundays. I've got a feeling it's going to take me longer than that to actually get through all the stuff. <laughs> um, and so next Sunday is Remembrance Sunday. It actually happens to be a Sunday, which is, is um, and it's the 100th uh, anniversary of, of the end of the First World War, isn't it? Next, next Sunday. Significant moment in our nation's history. It's also a significant moment in... in the personal history of, of the Carter family, because it's my dad's 90th birthday next Sunday. So we will be celebrating that as a family next weekend, uh, particularly on the Saturday. And a lot of the family staying together. But I, I said I, I need to come back because I need to be here at Eastgate on that Sunday because um, I've got something that I need to share with you. And that's something that God's told me basically to tell you the real backstory of what's going on here, the full, fullness of it. Um, which I've been gradually, it's gradually been eking out of me in different circumstances over the last uh, period of time. There's all sorts of things that have been kept hidden, stored up in my heart for a long, 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 long time. And, and a few weeks ago, actually, we, were at, uh, we had a gathering called Living Fire, which is a, a community of churches that is, is now starting to emerge that we are privileged to be part of and act as a bit of a catalyst to. And, and uh, they were here three weekends ago, I think, was it three weekends ago? They were here. And, um, and I woke up on the Saturday morning and, and God, uh, right unexpectedly to me, said, said, I want you to tell the whole story. And I thought, wow, I <laughs> didn't really want to do it in one sense because it's, it's not, not easy. But, and then he asked uh, basically Kim and I to actually do something of a spiritual nature that has had a profound impact on... <laughs> churches now that come from uh, probably I think we're now working with churches in about 10, 11 different nations now you, you might not have known that it's lovely, lovely having you here Kerry this morning so Kerry and her husband Gordon 
together we, we uh, I didn't do it, they did it, but I helped them actually uh, start a church in Paris, which was actually, and I was talking about actually some of the stuff that we had to do, the battles we had to win in France. Remember those, Kerry? Yes, Kerry remembers those because she was, so, so she's, you won't know how significant it is that you are here today. This is Kerry's first time here at Eastgate, yes. which is a sh- shock to me because we've been friends for a long time. But she and her husband helped build uh, a community of churches in France that, that is still moving on. That um, uh, How fantastic that was. But the battles we had to fight to establish that. And, it's, and um, <clears throat> one of the things I want to talk about over these next few weeks is, is the battle for freedom. That, that's really what I want to talk about. Uh, Eastgate is known for freedom, which absolutely delights me. Um, I, you can't play me a, a greater compliment than, than understanding that the freedom that is in this place and feeling it and enjoying it. When people say they enjoy the freedom here, that, that, that uh, you'll start to understand what that means to me, but not many of you would have done that up to this point in time. Um, <coughs> and I like, love it that... that People come from all sorts of places and they come in. It's, it's Christians and non-Christians alike. And they walk into this place and say, wow, the freedom here. And I, and I, first of all, I thought, how do you, how do you feel freedom? What, do you understand? It's, it's a strange thing. When people say, wow, I'm not quite sure. What, how do you express it? What, what, what is it? Um, and we'll unpack some of that. But, but is, is freedom worth fighting for? Is it worth giving your life for? Is it worth the sacrifice? Which we will be remembering last, um, next Sunday, the sacrifices that people made so that we could live in a, a free society. But we have a free society, but actually there's, there's another aspect of, of, of freedom, which is the spiritual dynamic of it. You know, um, Freedom actually has a spiritual dynamic. It's, it's fundamentally spiritual, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So it's, it's fundamentally a spiritual reality. <coughs> And tyranny is a spiritual reality, yeah? yeah? Slavery is a spiritual reality, not just, not just a human reality. And, um, so, this, what we, what we, what we enjoy here, we have fought for. And we fought to gain it. Uh, we will have to fight to maintain it, and we will have to fight to enlarge it. Um, now, I think when, when you're living in freedom, it's just, I like, I want you to enjoy the benefits of freedom, yeah? Whoopity do, woohoo! Swing from the chandeliers, free, 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 woo, 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 woo! <coughs> but, you're gonna have to fight for it as well. Because we have an enemy, every one of us, uh, and, in case you haven't caught and done yet, he doesn't go away. And he won't go away until Jesus comes back. And finally, you know, consigns him to the place that has been destined for him and, and his demons. Yeah. So, so when, when you say, "Oh, I think I'm in a battle," yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's not temporary. I'm bad news is that's not a temporary condition. That that's a permanent condition. And if you don't know how to fight your battles, you will lose some of them. So I, I, I enjoy singing that song, but actually, it leaves me, you know, you get, this is how I fight, this is how, and then you go, how? Because <laughs> the, 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 the song doesn't tell you much. It tells you, gives you a few clues, praise and thanksgiving, but there's, there's a whole lot more to it than that. <clears throat> um, Trish, can you bring up Nehemiah? So... Next Sunday will be the 90th birthday of my dad. And, 
my mum and dad, uh, I'll say this, they, they started the Carter dynasty, as we call it now. <laughs> Out of really tough beginnings. But it's also actually 40 years for me since God came and visited me in my university room. And uh, this is the bit I don't share a lot about, because uh, it's personal, but it's actually shaped Kim and my life completely. Um, so God came and met me in my university room. Uh, but he just, you know, I was just there. I was worshipping him, praying, reading my Bible, looking out across the city of Bristol, because I had a room that looked out across the, the city. And he came into my room, and I knew he'd given me a calling. And I didn't know what to do with that calling at that moment in time. It seemed too huge uh, for a 20-year-old. I thought, wow, I don't know what to do with that, really. Um, I, I didn't deny it. I just didn't have no idea, really. It was, um, and the only way I know what to do is just get on with life, really. Get on with life in, with Jesus. That's what's what I'm meant to do. Just walk with him. Keep walking with him. Keep walking with him. Trust him. Keep trusting him. Tell other people about him. So I, to say, at university, I've probably led... I don't know. I know I prayed for well over 100 people to be baptized in the Spirit and speak in tongues. Healing. I probably, I don't know how many people I led to Jesus. Um, again, probably, I don't know. Probably up towards 100 people, I should think, I led to Jesus while I was at university. Just my normal, getting on with it. <laughs> um, a year after God met me in my Rumi, he came again to me just before Kim and I got married. And this time, as we just got our flat that we were going to live in when we got married, but I'd gone and, you know, I was living in it before we got married with barely a stick of furniture. I think I didn't have a chair, so I, was, I think we got a bed. I think I had something to sleep on, but that was about it. Um, remember, we try, I tried to eke out an existence, not spending much money, because, you, know, you know, when you get married, you're just trying to save up. So, but, and I was just sitting on my bare floor one night, one evening, uh, just talking to God, and he came and he said, Pete, I want, this is the calling I'm, I'm giving you, and you'll need to let Kim know, because it's going to be kind of important. <laughs> uh, he says, I've, I've called you to lead millions of people into freedom. Oh, and, and the, and the, and the, the uh, model he gave me to look at was, was Moses. And he said, right, this is, look at Moses. Look at Moses, because Moses did an extraordinary job of leading millions of people into freedom. And then, so ever since then, and I've, I've preached it through that Exodus has been like my training manual. Personally, this is, this is, I look at it and I think, those first few books of the Bible actually are, are fundamentally important because they help me line up with, I know what God called me to do 40 years ago. So when I look out upon what this is now, I, I just cry. And I got overwhelmed. And I just want to say thank you for, for being part of this amazing battle for freedom. We are freedom fighters. We, re- we really are. And thank you for standing side by side and building this thing we call Eastgate. But it's not just here for fun. It's here to create something. So, And in the last uh, few months, we've, we've bought some things right way through we've been building living fire for a while now Ren's been alongside me doing that and many others but we're now actually working in at least 10 11 nations I think so I think we're losing track Ren was actually in, last week was in a, 
uh, gathering of leaders from across 35 nations in Europe. Europe shall be saved thing. So she was there representing us. Um, and then yesterday I was actually, I spoke at uh, the conference, the National uh, UK Healing Rooms Leaders Conference, where I was speaking to the key leaders, 70 key leaders of Healing Rooms UK, and just releasing amongst them what God's given to us. And I think it's fair to say they were just overwhelmed by God and incapable at the end. Um, not, I'm not saying this in prayer, because God, God came and met them and gave them uh, something that we carry here, which is compassion and faith, which is the key to, to him. So, um, so, so just trying to help you, we, we are about a, a massive work, and this is what it says. Um, Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of... Oh no, I love that. Oh no. It's a useful, little, useful, this is Nehemiah, Nehemiah. Now, but look, well, they were scheming to harm me, you see. Now, who have you got? Have you got anybody who's scheming to harm you? Quite likely. Well, well tell you what, your, your battle's not against flesh and blood. But the devil is a schemer. Now, what the Bible says is that we're not unaware of his schemes, but I've found out that's not necessarily true. If you're not aware of the devil's schemes, he will sneak through your defenses and get you believing stuff and then passing on stuff so that actually you get to join in his schemes. And I'm, I'm pretty certain that none of you want to be joining in the devil's schemes. We go, oh no, at that point, oh no. <laughs> but I want to tell you, it's possible to do so unwittingly. And, and you just have to read through the New Testament to see that. Now, uh, even the Apostle Peter joined in with the devilish scheme. You can see that in Galatians. Paul had to oppose him to his face. I'm suggest Jesus had to oppose Peter pretty strongly as well. We'll come to that later. Because Peter gave himself to a devilish scheme. What, what did Jesus say? Get behind me. Oh, pretty strong rebuke. We'll, we'll look at that. Yeah? Peter allowed himself to, to, to align himself with a devil's scheme that was trying to stop Jesus doing the work he'd been called to do. Yeah? Now, it looked nice. It looked kind, didn't it? No, Jesus, we won't let you die. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, can we go on to the next bit? It says, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project. We are about a great work. We are about a great work. I hope you got that. We are about a great project. But there are schemes that will come against us that will try and deflect us. But this is, this is news. I'm not going down. Basically, I'm not going to spend all my time doing that because I'm about a great work. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Now, what is interesting, that's the book of Nehemiah. The book before it was Ezra, um, in the, and the history of that was that... Um, uh, in the book of Ezra, the Israelites were, 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 were given the call to go back to, out of exile to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And, and they were given all the resources, and they went and they started to rebuild. But actually what was interesting, the enemy scheming came amongst them. And, and I'll just throw these four out because they're, they're, they're ongoing enemy tactics that you need to be aware of. In the book of Ezra, um, enemies came against them, and it says, number one, they came to uh, uh, discourage them. Secondly, they came to make them fearful. Thirdly, they came, <coughs> came to uh, uh, accuse them. And fourthly, they came to frustrate them. Now, those are four key enemy s- schemes. Fear, 
discouragement, frustration and accusation are, are ongoing enemy schemes. Now, by getting those through their defenses, that the work of, of God stopped for 15 years in the book of Ezra until they re- the, the, the prophets restarted. If you look out, look out the window and say, we are about a great work, because we actually have the opportunity to help create this new city called Ezra Garden City. This is, this is the worship and community center for this new city. We have the opportunity to influence this place in all sorts of ways, some of which we can't talk about at the moment. <clears throat> we happen to hide some things up in our heart, but the opportunities are here. We have the opportunities to influence nations with, with great, building great churches. We have an inf- opportunity to influence the health systems of this nation and other nations. Wouldn't it be great to have the National Health Service full of, free of fear? And with, with so much resources, it doesn't know what to do with itself. That was, that's what the floodgates of heaven would look like. I'll pour out so much blessing that you won't be... Wouldn't it be a wonderful problem for our NHS to have so many resources that they think, well, we just got too many resources, better give some of these away. That is not the case at the moment, is it? That's, so, so we know it's not heavenly. Heaven's, heaven's resources must be made available. Yeah? This, we are about a, a great work, but we do have an enemy. And recently, he's been pretty active. And in the book of Nehemiah, what you, what you see, if you, if you read that through, they, they, Nehemiah, what happened? Oh, I just need to go back. So Ezra, um, ultimately with Ezra, they, they, they realized the mistakes they made, they corrected them, and then they built the temple. But what they made, the mistake they next made was they stopped building. They built the temple, but they didn't, didn't go on then to build the walls to protect what, what had been built. And when it comes to Nehemiah, which is 70 years later, uh, the, the report is, is, is actually, it says it's a disgrace. That, you know, that everything's in ruins, the walls down. It was terrible. So, so Nehemiah goes back and he looks at these places and basically they started to rebuild the walls. And as soon as they started to rebuild the walls, the enemy pops its head up again and says, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. That's our land, that's our territory. If you don't mind, we're having that. Because up to that point, the enemy done what it needed to do, didn't need to do anymore because they were all... In disgrace, all the walls are knocked down. As soon as they started to rebuild, the enemy comes back. And what, what parts of the wall did the enemy look for? The weak spots. He looked for the weak and low spots. Where, what parts of your life will he look for? The weak spots. What part of our corporate life will he look for? The weak spots. <clears throat> because if you can go through the weak spots, you breach the whole wall. Yeah. You, you, you get me on this? You can have a really strong three-quarters of a wall. Say, my life's really strong. Really, really strong. It's just this one area I'm struggling with. Well, okay, well, that, that's an open gate. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Maturity is, is actually un- being able to actually make sure you build a complete wall all around you because that part of the wall will let enemy activity. And once you know, if you've seen Lord of the Rings and things like that, once the enemy's through the wall, it's a different battle. It's far more difficult to evict than keep out in the first place. That's what you need to learn. And, and, and my antenna have been going off all around at the moment because I've just been sensing the, the enemy's uh, at, attack and onslaught against Eastgate because we're about a great work. And then I thought, actually, you know what? Some places he's found some weak spots. And he's trying to pour through those. And if you've been around me the last few weeks, you know I, I've got, my, my voice is a little bit husky. And I'm, I'm wondering whether I could actually get through preaching because I've been roaring. Because once I got hold of the idea, once I know the enemy's what he's doing, then I I rush to that point and I I believe well, st- st- I start stamping my feet and some of you will <laughs> you've seen me in action. But we 
I'm not just doing it on my own, we're doing it together. And I say, but there are sometimes I think, right, we're going to stand now. And that's what it says in Ephesians. Um, if you um, go to Ephesians chapter 6. If we come. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Yeah? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Yeah? So, is he still a schemer? Yes. What are we going to do? We're going to stand. And the beauty of this is we stand together, not individually. So that, that one of the stronghold, I would say, of issues of thinking in our culture is we process things individually rather than corporately. So we say, all right, I've got to stand. I've got to stand. Now, we've got to stand. In the book of Nehemiah, when, when, when a weak spot was, was, was found, they blew the trumpet and then everybody crowded to that place to protect that bit of wall. That's we stand together. So it's, when it says stand, you know, and you're far more, far stronger together than you would be just on your own. The devil, one of the biggest uh, effective schemes the devil has is isolation. If he can get you isolated, then you're in great danger. And that's why it always bothers me when people dip out of church. Not because they're not in a meeting, it's because they put themselves in danger. Does that make sense? It's just that disc. You now, I'm not talking about meetings, but I'm talking true connection. I don't, I don't judge people's true connection by how many meetings they're at but you know it's actually that, that heart desire that <clears throat> and you're not letting go no matter what I'm in this I'm, we're in this together um, and what the Bible says so put on the full armour of God so how much of the armour are you meant to put on every bit how long how often do you think you're meant to do that yeah don't take it off the answer it, 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 it's like oh I need this bit of the armour now that, oh yeah that yeah, help me I'm some bit of trouble no no <laughs> if you don't put the full armour on you, you are vulnerable it's not just a, it's not a pick and mix oh yeah I think I have a bit of righteousness now a little bit of truth every now and then that'd be good no <laughs> I was, how, how many lies does it take to contaminate the truth one that's fascinating. So, so how, how much on your guard have you got to be? All the time. Because if he can get lies in, he's, he's got, he's starting to win. Lies and deception. And the, 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 the most effective lies are those wrapped in truth. You know, a pack of lies, you think, just a pack of lies. You don't believe it. The subtle ones are what get through your defenses. <clears throat> um, so we're meant to have the full armor of God on. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, this is really important. You might think you're struggling against people sometime, but you're not. Well, you might be, but that's not your struggle. People aren't your enemy. Really. And even though you're meant to love them. Yeah? People there to be loved. <coughs> but let's have, let's have a look at this. this. I'm, I'm not going to go into the full art. We'll come on to that. But you can start to read some of this stuff yourself. We're going on a journey. I need you to start to equip yourselves. Yeah? And I'm going to try and help you. Because would, would it help you if I could help you understand how, how this stuff works? That this is how. This is what I'm going to try and do for a few weeks. Because I'm not sure we talked about this much recently. So I'm, I'm taking my. We need we need to get this. We need to get strong in this one. So let's have a look at, at the, the passage in Matthew chapter 16. I just think it's, it's hilarious. 
Verse 21, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. (laughs) That that amuses me. How many of you have ever done that in your life? Uh, I think we've all done it. You ever had that little word with God? Excuse me. Just come this way a moment. You know. <laughs> I, don't re- I don't think you really know how this works. This, uh, excuse me, little word, little word if you don't mind. Um, I don't think you quite understand my life. You know, that's, that, that, that bit you're telling me about doesn't work for me. You just need to understand this is a special circumstance situation. I just need to inform you of my special circumstances. And that, some of that spiritual stuff you're talking about doesn't work here. Okay, just to let you know, I'm, 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 one, I'm a special case. I'm one of those special cases. <laughs> you, we've all done it. You've all done it. You've all, oh, I'm just taking Jesus aside. And I'm trying to correct Jesus to bring him around to my way of thinking, you know, because. Now, what did Jesus say? Oh, that, thank you for being so kind and looking out for my welfare. I understand where you're coming from. Now, actually, Jesus does understand where he's coming from and he's got an answer for it. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. So he knows where he's coming from. Now look at this. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, you are a dangerous trap to me. Wow. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Whew. That's quite a stinging rebuke, eh? How many of you fancy having that stinging rebuke from Jesus? I would. I would. I want it. I want it. I welcome that. Why? I don't want to be deceived. I would, I would welcome it with all my heart. I might not like it, but I want it. So here's a question for you. How easy is it to reprimand you? How easy are you to correct, to challenge? It's a massive thing. What will get in the way of that? I say there's a few things. Pride, insecurity, fear. I think, I think they come from a certain source as well. They don't come from Jesus. Please note, Jesus didn't say, get behind me, Peter. He didn't say get behind me, Peter. He said get. He's identifying the source of this issue for him very clearly. And the illustration I think is most helpful on this that, that Danny Silk sort of uh, uses is in his, one of his books is that imagine you've, you've invited somebody around to your house for a meal, and you're really looking forward to it. They're looking forward to it, and on, on route they stick in, they, they manage to step in a load of dog's poo. And so they get, they, get, they get to your door and, they, and, and you look at it and you think, oh, oh, excuse me, would you mind taking your shoes off before you come in? You say, well, I feel rejected now. I thought you invited me to come round. How dare you? He said, I'm free to do whatever I like. And you know, you're welcome, you're welcome, but that's, that's not. How dare you? How dare you? You tell me I've got some dog poo on my shoe. Yeah. 
So you're telling me I can't come in? No, no, I'm telling you, you, you can come in. But you can't bring that in with you. Are you ready, ready to be told if you've got some dog poo on your shoe? Because if you're not, you know what? That door will close to you and you will not get many invitations. You won't. It's, it's just reality. What happens if that person is not brave enough to tell you you've got dog's poo on your shoe? And say, oh, it doesn't matter. Just let them come in. Well, they then have a house that's now smelling of not just is it not just is it on the shoe? It's now spread much more widely than you would. How difficult is that to get off than it would be just to clean the shoe? So if you're not brave enough to tell people, it will spread. Not doing them any favours, you're not doing yourself any favours, and ultimately, that you know, I say, oh well, this is this is the normal aroma that we accept in our home. <laughs> you like it? Can we come? Well, this is, these are weird people. And inviting non-Christians friends around, they go, strange people, those Christians. <laughs> wow, they think it smells nice in there because they just let anything go. Okay, James chapter 3. So, on a question, where do you get your wisdom from? Who's your source of wisdom? Well, you've got two choices, okay? James chapter 3 verse 13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that come from wisdom. One of the fruits of true wisdom is humility. Okay? That's one of the ways you can you know whether, whether true wisdom is at work. But it goes on to say, if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Don't kid yourself. I'm saying. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, uh, demonic. Whoa. For where... Uh, you have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder and every evil practice. Isn't that? That's a, that's a, so if, if we allow ourselves to be informed by just human, which Jesus was saying, you're just basically said to Peter, that's just human wisdom. That's men's thinking. That's not God's thinking. That's not godly wisdom. You've not got that from God. It's just you getting logic, thinking you're being kind when you're not, and it comes from the devil. You're all going quiet on me, which is good in one sense, because this is serious. Because that will damage our freedom. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, that means uncontaminated. Peace-loving, considerate, how about this one, submissive? Yep, there it is. Get that word back. Ooh, how many of you like that word? That's a word in Christianity. Do you know why that was? Because it got contaminated by the devil because of wrong views about it. It got contaminated by fear and we've been robbed of it. We need to get that word back in its right place in Christianity. Which is actually beautiful if you get it right. Mutual submission is a beautiful thing. Submission that, that demands, demands that I am over you, you are under me, that is ungodly. Okay? 
I've said one of our challenges, probably this big challenge, is if we want to fulfill this, this, this mandate that God's given us, we need masses of resources. We need a massive church. It's much easier to build a massive church with a command and control structure than it is with freedom. Our challenge is, 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 is to value freedom enough to fight for it, guard for it, and at the same time manage to... to go. You with me? This is the biggest challenge at the moment that we're facing. You know, how do you grow this so that we've got... Not so we've just got a big church, but so we've got the resources to, to fulfill all that God's calling us to do. It's a massive, massive challenge we have in front of us. And that's why we've got such a battle going on. The devil sees the potential. And he is scared like crazy. That's why I know. Um, so I don't get, I don't get frightened of him. I just sort of, whoa, okay, we're making some progress. Let's look, let's shore up the weak spots. Get the walls strong. <coughs> so this wisdom is full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, and so on. So, so, <coughs> so really what I want to do over the next few weeks is help you understand this if I can. And, and next week I'm going to tell you the story so you, you understand the context of it in greater detail and then two weeks time uh, teach, teach, teach you some more but then really want to give you uh, a spiritual impartation that will enable you to live in the truth of this but the you is a you plural not an individual yeah. this is we you know we want to build something amazing together I was just going to say okay we did it didn't we in France we built something amazing together that people actually told us we couldn't build Human wisdom told me you'll never build, you'll never succeed in France. And I just chose not to believe it. It's the first place I met with Ren. One of the reasons Ren works alongside me is because what we did together in France, it's ongoing. So I want to ask you to stand, not to pray, I want you to stand. Because I want us to stand together with a determination, okay? And then I want you to make sure that you're receiving your wisdom from the right place. And be open. Will you, will you open yourself up to correction if you need it? Would, would you let somebody say, mm, dog poo, <laughs> without getting offended, without feeling rejected? Devil schemes, rejection, offence, all, all sorts of stuff that we need to throw off. We love one another, we stand together, we're honest. Do you know what? Every one of us makes mistakes. Me included, not, not perfect, perfect in spirit, but most of us not managed to get through with perfect in our thinking and behaviour yet, okay? En route. Bear with it, we love one another, but stand together because the devil is mighty scared of us at this moment in time. And I'm about a great work. And so are we. Okay. So Father, we thank you for your calling upon our lives. And we open ourselves up to heaven's wisdom now. And in our wills and our spirits, we choose to shut the door to demonic wisdom. We choose to resist the schemes that will come against us. We open ourselves up to correction from one another and from you, King Jesus. Father, we pray that you will pour so much resource into this place that we would not be able to contain it. 
We pray that our national health service would be flooded with the resources of heaven. That nations would be flooded with the resources of heaven and we will play a part in it. But we pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on planet earth. Okay. Amen, everybody. And uh, have a great week. We'll see you next week for more. There'll be people down here ready to pray, prophesy over anything.